0: 94.3 WRHD HD1 Farmville Greenville Your exclusive Pirate Sports Station 94.3 The Game do you live ECU? Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo, on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo.
1: Hi, right, welcome into this edition of Hoist the Colors, Friday, June 9th. It is the end of the week. We are approaching the weekend. Unfortunately, no East Carolina baseball to preview as Super Regionals get underway as we speak. Duke and the team East Carolina just lost to Virginia about to throw out the first pitch in Charlottesville. We'll get into that discussion here shortly. We're also going to continue our preview of the new teams entering the American Athletic Conference. The last few days, we've done the Charlotte 49ers. We did the UAB Blazers on Thursday. We're going to do the Texas San Antonio Roadrunners are going to take a look at what they bring to the league, an in-depth evaluation of the six new teams coming into the league in football, basketball, baseball, just what they're bringing to the conference because so many Pirate fans are somewhat lukewarm on the new teams joining the conference, and we're going to give you some info, some background on maybe why you should be excited, or hey, maybe you just don't care, but we'll talk about them anyways. And uh, We're also going to visit with a Pirate legend, Keith Stokes, one of the best return men in ECU history one of the more electric playmakers with the ball in his hand. I remember growing up, every time he touched the ball, he was special. And back when he was fielding punts, getting ready to field punts, they used to chant his name, Stokes, 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 the the fans used to chant. So we'll reminisce with Keith Stokes, who's now involved in some high school football coaching. He's done, obviously, a stint in the CFL with coaching. He played for a long time in the CFL and in the indoor football league. So we'll catch up with Keith Stokes here. In a little bit. All right, Philip Pilkington is alongside. He's been with us for most of these conference previews, and we're going to get into UTSA here in a minute, Philip. But I want to first give you some trivia. All right, so we're having Keith Stokes, who returned multiple punts for a touchdown in East Carolina uh, during his time. He was only he only played for two years because he was a JUCO recruit, but he did that in the 1999 and 2000 seasons, which was 23 years ago. So when do you think the last time an ECU football player has returned a punt for a touchdown? A kickoff has been done very recently. Josiah Hatfield did it last year at Temple. But it's been a long time since a punt return was taken back for six. I talk about this often on social media, but I don't think you know, so I'm going to just let you try and guess when it was.
2: Well, you told me it was a long time ago, so I'm going to go on a limb and say Tyler Snead didn't do it. Um I, I'm gonna guess Stokes was not the last guy, so I'm gonna say there's somebody in between. And uh, did CJ2K return one at some point?
1: He did not. Oof. He did not. So there's been a lot of uh, there's been a lot of great punt returners in ECU history, like Dwayne Harris. Yeah. I think Chris Johnson did it for a while. He took a kickoff back. There's been a lot of guys that have taken a kickoff back, uh, including Chris Johnson, including Dwayne Harris. But the last punt return for a touchdown. Came 19 years ago, 2004. It's been that long, Philip Pilkington. And, you know, I haven't looked at the rest of college football, but it was a guy by the name of Travis Williams, not exactly a household name, uh, but he returned a punt for a touchdown during the 2004 season, I believe, against the Memphis Tigers. Yep, 69 yard punt return uh, for a touchdown. And, Man, there's only been two punt returns for six since 2000, Travis Williams in 2004, and then Keith Stokes in 2000. So two punt returns for six in 23 years. What are we doing on punt return is what I want to know.
2: You know, in a way, I would say, what are we doing? But it's so weird. that punters have really focused on their hang time, I think, now, here in the last 20 years more than ever. You're seeing less punts just returned, and you're seeing more fair catches across all levels of football, from high school up and as a result, you're seeing less punt returns for touchdowns. Now obviously we know that ECU punters, Matt Dodge, have no problem kicking the punting the ball to the wrong guy at the wrong time, but uh, you're just seeing it less and less. Maybe even if you look at Devin Hester's numbers compared to some of the other great return men like Deion Sanders, like Eric Metcalf, Devin Hester's had more kickoff returns for touchdowns and less punt returns than some of those earlier guys did during the 80s and 90s, so that is my way of sticking up for the Pirates and the reason that they have not had a kickoff or a punt return in nearly 20 years, but uh, I may be wrong, but that's, why I'm gonna, that's how I'm going to stick up for my team.
1: You know, it's it's a fair take and certainly it is easier to return a kickoff for six for the reasons you mentioned and, you know, you're going to get more opportunities because you can't really, you can only guard against a kick return so much. I mean, a punt return you can really guard against it or, or plan to kick it away, but you would just think you would get lucky, I mean. Even Malik Flynn last year almost took one back. He got tackled, I think, inside the fifteen or ten. Tyler Sneed was close a couple times. I don't know how Dwayne Harris never scored on a punt return because it seemed like he was always like a footstep away, but he was always tripped up. And yeah, it's just uh, every year my, I do a ten bold predictions heading into the season. Philip, I always predict ECU will return a punt for a touchdown, and I'm always wrong. So. I guess I'll, uh, I'll make the pick again this year, but it's just it's been a long time. So I'm going to ask Keith Stokes. I'm going to get him on here shortly if he's got any eligibility left. Maybe he can help break that. Because I think he returned nine kicks for touchdowns in the CFL and did it twice at ECU. So, um, But there's nothing more electric, Philip than a, than a punt return for a six. Because, like, a kick return is fun because you, you kind of have, like, guy running a straight line and he breaks through the line. But usually to return a punt for a touchdown, you need somebody – to make a guy or two miss, and then, you know, it has some have some wiggle, like some weaving going on. Usually it's not just a straight line. So I think that's maybe what ECU is missing, kind of that dynamic playmaker.
2: Yeah, it is. And also you need, you know, one or two missed holding and blocking the back calls because has there true. ever been a legal punt return for a touchdown? I'm going to say probably not. Uh, but, no, it's it probably is what we're missing. So you'd think a guy like Keaton Mitchell would have been that guy. He, he had the uh, – the lateral quickness, but yeah, there's a lot of luck, and I agree with you, it is a little more electric than a kickoff, because at the end of the day, a kickoff is kind of 11 on 10, when you really think about it, the, the kicker is kind of out of it, and then if they create the wedge, I mean it can happen. As long as you get to that wedge and all the blocks happen the way they're supposed to. But a punt, just the way the it's formatted is is definitely much harder. And the fact that when you're catching the ball, there's usually already two guys bearing down on you. I can tell you the hardest thing I've ever done, not that I ever played sports at a high, high level, but the hardest thing I've ever done is returning punts. It's horrible. It's not fun. If you think it's fun, you're, you're, you're crazy. You've probably lost some brain cells due to some concussions from returning punts if you think it's
1: Fun. Maybe we need to get Coach Houston to add you as a walk-on, so we see if we can break this drought. Since no, I was not quick. Experience. No,
2: no. Like last time I returned punts was like middle school, man. Yeah, I, I was not quick. Uh, at I had endurance. I would not be the guy to break the uh, the trend. I have caught some sort of punts at dowdy Ficklin Stadium. One time when I was a uh, still a student, you know, they used to have the jug machine thing where they shoot the balls out of the jug machine. And have the guy catch him. Yeah, I got to do that. And uh I found out it was a lot easier without people running at you. At first I was like, Oh, this is bad. However, I may have drank a little more before I did that than I had back in high school, middle school returning punts. But uh you know, once I caught the first one it was a lot easier. But you know, like I said, nobody barreling down on you makes it a lot easier.
1: Certainly not as easy as it looks from the stand, so uh yeah, we we'll, Yeah, we appreciate uh Phillips' service in, in terms of catching off the joke team. I might we might have to reenact that this summer to try and get some uh, social media plays. We might have to. I was
2: unfortunate. The first three were right to me. The second one or the fourth one, excuse me, was like up by three of the officials. On one hash, the hash oh, closer yeah. to the visitors' bench, I ran up and caught that one. Then to like try and compensate, they turned it up and shot the next one like way over my head, way back on the ECU sideline. I was like, "Yeah, I'm not fast enough to get to that one." I was close, I laid out, but uh, didn't happen.
1: <laughs> fun times, fun times inside Daddy Ficklin Stadium. That is Phillip Pilkington. We're going to get into UTSA here in a minute. Uh, and Key Stokes as well. A couple things before we. I uh, also talked some some college baseball super regional starting today so uh, we announced yesterday there's a 60% off special going on on hoistthecolors.net it's a big official visit weekend for east carolina football so get the vip scoop on hoistthecolors.net you can sign up now for 60% off our vip subscription for the annual pass also we're continuing for uh, we're continuing our opponent previews Next week, we're going to try to get to as many teams as we can. Of course, we've already done Michigan. We did that a few weeks ago with Anthony Broom of All in Three Sports. We did App State and Marshall earlier this week with their respective riders. We're going to try to get through everybody next week because, of course, we're going to take summer break starting next Friday as we close up for the summer. We'll be back ahead of the football season in August. But we're going to try to get to that. We also got A.D. John Gilbert set to join us in studio on Wednesday for the full hour. And then we got uh, softball coach Shane Winkler set to join us in studio on Tuesday. So we're going to have a little bit of everything for you next week to wrap up the Hoist the Colors program before we take off for summer break. All right, Philip Duke and UVA getting underway. I saw there was some speculation they may not even play due to the air quality, but they announced today they they will uh, play the game. Do you have any interest in, in super regional baseball with East Carolina eliminated, or are you kind of one of those guys, that like, once the Pirates are done in a sport like college baseball, you kind of tune it out?
2: No, I'm a college baseball fan, so obviously um, not as emotionally invested now that East Carolina is out. But, you know, I'm the same way with the baseball tournament. They am the basketball tournament. When my team gets beat. I I get frustrated, and for about 30 minutes I turn all games off, and I, you know, go cool down and, you know, but then once I, I got the level head, I'm, I'm, I'm right back to watch it. I don't probably watch it quite as closely as I would the basketball tournament. Of course, there's only 67 total games in the NCAA basketball tournament, a lot more in baseball. But uh, definitely still have an interest, and uh, we actually have the UVA-Duke game on here in the studio right now. And uh, I'll definitely be uh, pay attention to all four games today and all eight Super Regionals this weekend. How about you?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, I love baseball in general, and I, I usually – I'm so bummed out. I know the last few years I've been bummed out with ECU losing so close to Omaha that I've kind of not watched the College World Series as closely. But I think this year I'm I'm really going to keep an eye on the Virginia-Duke series, A, because ECU lost to Virginia. I'm I'm eager to see how good they are. Uh, The other side of it is Duke is home to Eric Tyler, the former ECU baseball player and now the hitting coach there. You know, So if they have success in making Omaha, it would be a cool story for Eric. You know, and then as far as the other Super Regionals, really going to keep a close eye on Oral Roberts taking on Oregon. It'd be, you know, really the winner of that series. It'll be cool to see in Omaha. It's not like we see Oregon in Omaha every day. And then TCU and Indiana State. I wouldn't mind seeing the the Sycamores knock down the door to go to Omaha. Not as interested. We talked about this earlier, I think, in the week, but not as interested in the SEC versus SEC Super Regionals like Kentucky, LSU, um, and also Florida, South Carolina. Like, I, I get SEC fatigue, even though I know we picked some SEC teams to win the championship. Uh, I will be locked into Tennessee and Southern Miss. ECU, a former rival of the Golden Eagles, so it would be awesome to see Southern Miss make it. But I don't know. I mean, I get I get burned out in the SEC, Philip. There's just so much talk about how great the SEC is, and they get so much love. We saw all the overrated teams like Auburn get to host a regional just because they were in the SEC and they go 0-2 in their regional. So, do you ever get tired of just hearing that narrative? Uh, as good as the baseball is, it just I don't know. I get tired of it.
2: Yeah, no, I definitely do. And you know, I think it's something that we might probably have really in all sports across. College athletics. It used to be this way with the ACC in basketball, but yeah, it is really annoying. I mean, you mentioned there Auburn had no business hosting. They go out there, they lay an egg. Um, one team that did deserve to host, but I'm just giving you heck because you picked them to win the national championship. Arkansas is not mm-hmm. playing anymore, so your national championship pick's done. There I go. Your bracket is busted. But, uh, yeah,
1: that lasted a long time,
2: (laughs) but no, I'm, I'm not as intrigued by, I mean, I'll keep up with them. Obviously I'll be checking the final scores as they come across, but you know, like you mentioned the Southern Miss thing, the Oral Roberts thing, even Stanford and Texas, even though those are two, you know, pretty historic programs, Texas has been a lot. That was the team that knocked off East Carolina last year. And, uh, with kind of the down year of the Pac-12, it'll be interesting to see how Stanford does. And of course that... Awkward Indiana State-TCU matchup where, despite Indiana State being a top 16 seed, has to go on the road to TCU. It's going to be interesting to see how they respond
1: to that one. No doubt, and they got a lot of flack for hosting their regional to begin with, and they went three and up. So you just never know, man. Postseason baseball is fun. The atmospheres are fun. So looking forward to checking some of that out. As disappointed as we are that the Pirates will not be in it, it'll still be fun to watch. All right, we'll talk UTSA. We'll table that discussion for later in the program after our interview with Keith Stokes. So we've got to get to Keith. So let's take our first break. On the other side, we'll catch up with the former Pirate specialist and return man, Keith Stokes. On the other side, you're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game.
0: Everything you need to know in the world of ECU Athletics. This is Hoist the Colors with Steve and I go on 94.3 The Game.
1: All right, welcome back into the program, ninety four three The Game, Hoist the Colors. We're efforting to get Keith Stokes online. Uh, we're, well, until then, until we get him hooked up, Philip Pilkington, I believe, is still in the studio. We'll talk some UTSA until we do that. So... Uh, so big series we're doing, Philip, in terms of trying to preview the, the new teams coming to the league. And Texas San Antonio, maybe not the sexiest name on the surface, but really you look at everything they bring to the league. And honestly, they're probably the, the biggest addition in terms of success, especially for football and recent success. But I think when you look at just everything they've done in recent years, not the the most traditional program definitely not the program that you know maybe gets the most recognition of the the six altogether but I think they what they've done recently says a lot
2: I think it does you know one of the interesting things about this is they're one of the most marketable teams you know they've been making the meat meat sweatshirts would I think have been really cool and kind of put them on the map. You know, this is a team who has only played 11 years of FBS football, and they've been to four bowl games. They were not even eligible to play in bowls in their first two seasons, which both of those, they won enough games to be bowl eligible. So theoretically, they've earned the right to play in six bowl games in just 11 years, which is really impressive. Um, You know, mention of the marketing. They are in an area of the country where, there is no NFL team. Well, I mean, I know you got Dallas and Houston, but San Antonio is a huge market. They host Final Fours. They have an NBA team who has had a lot of success, but they don't have an NFL team, and so I'm not sure exactly what the uh, the following is like around there, but I think it's kind of fits that American Athletic Conference mold of a big city that some of which do have NFL teams like Temple, and then some of which don't, but uh, I think it's an interesting addition, and I think it's a... Fun
1: one. Yeah, twelve. So twelve and two in twenty twenty one. We'll focus on football first, and obviously top twenty five team. And then eleven and three last year, with uh, one of those losses coming to Houston in triple overtime. And I think when you look at this program and the ability to, to retain Jeff Trailer is what sticks out to me, Philip. In that usually you you have a program like UTSA that has success, and for whatever reason, usually money, and the opportunity maybe to coach at a, quote-unquote, higher level, that ends up costing you your coach. But UTSA has, able to, has been able to keep Jeff Trailer. They've also been able to keep a lot of their personnel in an area where so many people have been hurt by the transfer portal. So I think that's one of the biggest steps, is they have not been hurt by the, the ability for other teams to come in and steal kind of their best assets.
2: I would agree, but I think we now have our guest on the line. Is that right, Dom? Do we have our, Yes, we have our guest on the line. So I, I will get back to your point uh, there in a second, I go, but I'll let you take it away.
1: I get, awesome. We got Keith Stokes, former East Carolina football player, former CFL, great as well. So we got Keith Stokes on the line. Keith, thanks for joining us. How are you doing?
3: I'm good, man. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. Keith, I, I want to ask you first off as we. We dive into this conversation. We'll look back at your career at East Carolina and talk about your coaching career too. But so, so it's been 19 years since East Carolina has returned a punt for a touchdown. I'm I, I'm wondering if you got any eligibility left to come help the Pirates break their drought.
3: It's hey, been 19 years. Jesus Christ, I think I still got one yeah. left in me.
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: I, I think we can make oh, it happen, yeah. right? I mean, look, the transfer yeah, so, for you lose a year. I only played two from JUCO. I was involved in COVID, too. I got one year somewhere around I can beat the system for. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll sneak you in a uniform. And Keith Stokes, one of the most electric playmakers in ECU history, we'll get into that conversation. But first off, Keith, update Pirate Nation on what you're up to these days. I know you're involved in coaching now, and, and how are you enjoying that, that aspect of things?
3: Um, right now I'm uh, in my second year as uh, head coach at Elizabethtown High School outside of uh Lancaster Harrisburg area. Uh last year was my first year as a head coach that just said we went eight and three. We made the playoffs for the first time in I wanna believe fifteen years. And uh I mean I'm loving it. I mean coaches I I guess it was what I was meant to do. <laughs> uh it gives you a different high as if you were playing but still being involved in the game and you know helping that kids kinda be better men. You know, we need we need better men in the in the world because so everyone's not going to make professional football. That's not my job. My job is to make sure we have better men outside in the community.
1: I noticed you you got involved in some CFL coaching shortly after your playing days as well. You know, what made you want to to make that transition to to high school? And is that kind kind of an area where you're from too? I know you were you you spent some time elsewhere, but New Jersey kind of you're from that area.
3: Uh, I mean, I, I, I live here now. I've been here like probably the last 12 years outside of PA. I mean, I got involved in the CFL with a uh, former Pirate, Devon Claybrook, help, helped the brother out, looked out a little bit, and uh, got me on the staff. And uh, things didn't work out, I man. I coached him This is crazy. I coached in We didn't have a good enough season to stay. Uh, COVID happened. Then they stopped football. So, I mean, for those two years, Kind of came home and figured that out. And you know, I was coaching high school before then. And, uh, you know, things worked out. I ended up being a head coach high school here after, the, after COVID. And here I am now, you know, <clears throat> trying to make a living in this coaching life. I mean, who knows where I would end up. I mean, right now I'm happy where I am. You know, but if the better opportunities came along, for sure I would look at them and strongly take them or not if the situation is not right.
1: Keith Stokes with us, former East Carolina Pirate in 1999, 2000. Let's talk about what led you to ECU, coming out of Georgia Military College at the time. What other offers did you have way back when, and and what made you choose, you know, Steve Logan and the Pirates back then?
3: Uh, Back then I had every offer known to man. I was an All-American. And I was probably, not probably, I was the number one return return guy in the country at a junior college to come out. I was number five running back to come out in the country, so I mean, you name it, I still went. But you know, back then it was a lot of guys didn't go to school in January, so I had a couple of offers for schools to come in in January. But on my East Carolina visit, it was strange that when I got there on my visit, people outside of the football knew me. I was like, oh, I do you know who I am? Like, I, uh, one of the tw- well, actually both of the twins were my uh, hosts. Coach, Coach Logan didn't really know who it was. He just called him twin. So, like, at one point, Anthony had me. Then at one point, uh... <clears throat> oh, crap. Anthony and... Crap, what's the other twin name? The Adams twins. Holy cow. I am old.
1: <laughs> Antoine?
3: Antoine. Jesus. Yep. <laughs> Anthony and Antoine, yes. <laughs> yeah, those are my hosts. But people outside of the football team knew who I was. And it surprised me. I didn't have a clue that they knew I was even coming. But... They knew me, and the team embraced me as if I was there from day one. That was one of the biggest things that led me to going there. I was so far from home, didn't know anyone, and the team acted like they already knew me from day one. So, I mean, that made the transition a whole lot easier because you got to have a family aspect to be comfortable where you are if you're going away 13th from home. I mean, I went to high school in Alabama, and I was a far away from North Carolina. Keith that, that was a easy- obviously you
1: had a. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, you cut out for a I,
3: second. Sorry, that, that was an easy transition for me. The, the players and the coaches made me feel at home.
1: Keith Stokes is with us. You had a lot of big highlights, Keith, during your, your time at East Carolina. And, you know, I can't think of one that kind of stands up to this day more than the, the go-ahead touchdown against Miami after Hurricane Floyd. And, you know, when you look back at that moment, catching that touchdown pass from David Garrard, scoring that touchdown to complete the comeback, how, how do you summarize that experience and, and, you know, everything that meant to the team and the, the community at the time?
3: I didn't realize at the time how big the play was. You know, I was just scoring the time like I've always done, throw the ball, catch it, make guys miss an open space, and, you know, get to the end zone. But after the game was when I realized, holy cow, this was really big. <laughs> this was really big. I mean, EC, old EC, greats. I mean, Larry Shannon, uh, Mitch Galloway, uh, Buck Collins. I mean, there's been a few, like, reached out to me and was like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, congrats. Then on my way after the game, I'm going to media, fans and families were like, oh, my God, thank you so much. It was so mean so much to me, you know, getting off of the hurricane, losing all this stuff, and just being grateful that the Pirates won. You know, that, I was like, what in the world? What? Okay, yeah, like, not another win, I mean, it's a big win, but like, it was more than just beating Miami for the community in the city of Greenville. And then when I went upstairs to the media, uh, you know, they had, they had, you know, what, probably 21st round guys on that team? Those guys were doing media before I got upstairs. I get there, I don't remember who it was when the media from the goes, Stokes is here. They left those guys that were talking to Miami, 25 cameras probably less but it seemed like 25 ran to me so i'm i'm talking to media lights all shining going crazy i didn't know what to say i was just sweating so nervous (laughs) (laughs) that was my first college touchdown well division one college touchdown
1: Mm -hmm. it was a big one it was a big one there's no doubt and Keith, you had two punt returns uh, during your time at East Carolina that counted. I know you had more that that got called back due to the penalty, but you had a 94 yard punt return against Cincinnati, which is the second longest in school history. You also had a 71 yarder against Texas Tech in the bowl game. I believe you had 10 special teams touchdowns in the CFL. So, so what, what makes A a great return man. I mean, you experienced it firsthand. Like, every, you know, there's guys that have speed that aren't great return men. Is is it about vision, patience? What, in your opinion, makes a great return man?
3: Uh, One, it is the vision, trust, and I mean, some people say, like, you got to be fearless or whatever, but I mean, I I don't really know if it's that much of fearless. I mean, you got to trust your guys out in front of you blocking. And, and and vision, with a lot of mine, and I say a lot, some of it comes from, I mean, just reacting. I can't really explain it. There's this God-given talent, I guess. I mean, I see things that other people don't see. I mean, as I got older, I started watching film differently on how to return, how the ball flies off the foot, where teams normally kick the ball, how do they kick it, and setting my returns up as in the CFL when I started returning more kicks, but Cause I didn't do that. I watched film on, you know, what we all watch film on, who's the best guy coming down, things of that nature. But as I got older, I knew what to watch and how to watch it. So it's a little bit of those three things there. But, you, one, you can't be scared. You can't be scared to run through a wall that you know is going to open. Because a lot of my test times, it seemed like there's a crowd, and I just run right through it. I didn't outrun people to the sideline. I'd make a guy miss here and there, and I'm right through guys running opposite way.
1: Is there a return you remember most, whether it be college or CFL or, you know, your time in, in the other professional leagues, the indoor leagues, that that really stands out to you, or are there too many to, to
3: choose from? No, no, no. Actually, um, there's probably <laughs> two in college that I remember the most. Um, one... Was senior night, senior day. We played Houston, and I think I broke the record that game for all-purpose yards that day, senior night in Houston. And the other one would be Army, and I ran two back in that game, and neither one of them counted. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How frustrating is that when you're celebrating and you see the uh, you see the penalty?
3: Army's super frustrating because I had probably 30, 40 family members from Jersey and friends at the game in school. <laughs> but if it was super frustrating, I think that year I might have had maybe four, four call back, four or five call back that year that I ran back. So I probably could have led the nation if that didn't happen.
1: You remember the the fans that used to chant Stokes, Stokes, Stokes? Yeah, I, 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 I did.
3: <laughs> and that, yeah. that that was kind of a crazy thing. I, I think that started in Cincinnati. The Cincinnati game when I were, finally ran the one back that counted. I was going to back there, I mean, in my own little world, and hearing the crowd scream my last man, I was like, what the heck is this? I was like, holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> But I but I love that little add pressure. I'm like, okay, now I have a big return. Whether I score or don't score, let's change this momentum or keep the momentum on our side right now.
1: Obviously, you, you spent two years at East Carolina, as you said, you know, a junior college recruit. And uh, you know, what do you remember outside of the, the big plays from those two years? Is it the relationships, the fan base, you know, the big wins? Like, what do you really remember about your time at ECU and, and kind of cherish to this day?
3: Uh. In a relationship, you get a locker room, you can't buy that anywhere. You can't, you can't get them anywhere. I mean, you're not going to talk to everybody. You're not going to be friends with every one of them, but that relationship that you get with those guys in that locker room is crazy. Like, I still talk to them guys. What was that? 2000, 2023. I still talk to some of them right now to this day. I mean, you're still friends with some of them. Some be in your wedding or something like that. You won't, you won't find that anywhere else. In the community, see you like, we travel. That's why, Every bowl game in the country wants us to say, "Hey, let's go play Michigan or let's go play whoever," because these show lot of fans are traveling they' they're, they're coming to a game and and, and and I love it, and every game that's east Coast I, I try to make them and travel with them and root, root my pirates on. I mean once a pirate, always a pirate, even guys that transfer still, they always say, "Look, the fans in that town of Greenville is love always." I talked to Dominic Davis who played it. East Carolina for one year, and he was at Boston College. He loves it. Even Minshew, he talks about East Carolina. He graduated from West, uh, Washington State. Because my time in Greenville, we really loves it. Of course, you love it. That city, that time, that school, that fan base is special.
1: How, how fun! You, you mentioned you still go to some games these days, and uh, you know what do you think of the program now? Obviously, there was a tough time uh, a few years ago, but it seems Mike Houston and his staff have resurrected things, and Back to bowl games, back to winning bowl games, you know, getting a lot of recognition. What, what do you think of the program these days and how closely are you following?
3: I follow every every Saturday, man, like I'm there. I mean, I love it. I mean, I love the direction we're going in right now, you know, getting, getting us back on top where we should be. I mean, just being recognized. I mean, we're never going to be the big North Carolina program. And I believe if it wasn't for basketball, Carolina wouldn't be who they are. But they are who they are. I'm not knocking what they do because they are a good program. But, you know, about our program there, like, I, I I love what we're doing now. We're moving in the right direction. We're getting players that want to come play for us. And the guys that are coming are, are, are ballers. And Coach Houston is doing a great job. I mean, my hat goes off to him. Hopefully go to Michigan and shock the world again.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, do, 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 something
3: something, else. do something big for us. Hey, you know, especially with that transfer portal and guys moving around and not scared to go to, you know, mid-tier Division One schools. We beat Michigan. last time many recruits we got to change us, like it did when we beat Miami. We got guys who you never think would come.
1: The Pirates are, are no stranger to big upsets. That's for sure. Definitely during your time, had a ton of them, and still to this day, have had a ton of them. Keith, you, you spent 16 years in professional football. You know, you, you obviously spent some time uh, in the NFL with the 49ers for a while, and then you went to the CFL. Several years there, you went to the Indoor Football League. With your CFL days, I mean, you kind of made a name for yourself, of course, as a returner, and, you know, there's still a bunch of highlights on YouTube of you uh, in the CFL. What do you remember about that time playing football above the
3: border and, um,
1: you know, everything you, you you kind of created there as far as a legacy in, in Canadian football? Uh,
3: I mean, my first memory of CFL football was it looked like a video game when I first saw it. I was like, what in the world is that? It's a video game. <laughs> you got guys moving around everywhere. Motions everywhere. They're punting the ball, kicking the ball, returning kicks back to the end zone with goalposts in front, and then come to realize their fans are just as big as East Carolina fans. It reminded me of college playing. Just a fan base. The fan base there reminded me of college, and some of the towns that the teams are in reminds you of playing back in Greenville. I mean, besides the big city like Toronto, Vancouver, but if you're in you're in Edmonton or a Hamilton or in Ottawa, I mean that's college life all over again. But now I'm making money and I'm playing a sport that I love, a kid's game, in this great town where you are a professional. I mean, it's awesome. I I, I love it there. I mean, yes, it is still a game, and yes, it is still a business, but I love playing the CFL. I mean, I had chances after to go back to the NFL to try that again. I was like, I'm cool. Keith Stokes with us, and, and Keith,
1: uh, when's the last time you're able to make it down to Greenville? And any, you know, obviously you're busy
3: with your your high make school time now. The last game you know I what? came to Greenville, it wasn't a good sight. We lost to yeah. Central Florida in overtime. That game hurt me. Uh, but I was at the game in Temple. Was that last year? Yeah, I was at the game in Temple last year. Yeah. Anytime they come to the East Coast, I'm there. So if you're there in Maryland, I'm there. If they're no Philly, I'm there because I'm I live in Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, anytime it's close, I'm there. I got a bye week. I'm gonna find a way. But if I'm not there in person, it's on my TV, believe it.
1: I hear you, man. Well, hey, ECU at Navy this November. Maybe we'll uh, we'll have to meet up. I will
3: be there. All right. Well, November what? We'll, uh... November, correct? If I'm not mistaken, say November second or something yeah, like yeah, that. I wanna...
1: Yeah, I want to say early uh, November, uh, I think November 4th maybe. I don't have the date in front of me, but yeah. I know yeah, it is in November, I know it's, I know it's so. early
3: November. I'm already there. Tell getting it all. All ready right, to we'll go.
1: Make it, we'll make it work. I'll, I'll, I'll hit you up that day. He is Keith That'll Stokes, work. former ECU return man and obviously great receiver as well. Keith, we appreciate the time. Best of luck with your high school team. And it uh, sounds like you're already turned around the program, so looking forward to following what you do going forward as well. Uh, well. We'll call you again down the line, but uh, appreciate your time.
3: Thank you so much. Go Pirates.
1: That's Keith Stokes, former East Carolina special team stalwart, former electric receiver, CFL star as well. All right, on the other side, we'll get back into our discussion about UTSA, what they bring to the American, the new look American Athletic Conference going into this fall. We'll rejoin Philip Pilkington in studio as well. You're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3
0: The Game. The Pirates play here. Arr! This is Hoist the Colors Radio with Stephen go. Yes! So 194.3, the game.
1: Alright, we are back on Hoist the Colors, Friday, June 9th. Good conversation with Keith Stokes, former ECU wide receiver and return man. Always good to catch up with former Pirates who still follow the program and are closely involved with it and still involved in coaching, as is Keith Stokes. All right, we were having our UTSA discussion because we were trying to track down Keith at the beginning of last uh, segment, before we got him. We were kind of talking about just their ability to sustain success, and for those just joining us, we're we're doing a feature where we look at all the teams coming into the league. We're going to do this through next week. We've done Charlotte. We've done UAB. Now we're on UTSA today and breaking down the six new teams, entering the American Athletic Conference, of course, ECU's conference. So UTSA has had the most success in recent years of any of the teams coming into the conference, 12-2 and two in 2021, 11-3 last year. And back-to-back top 25 seasons, Comp USA champions a season to go will probably be picked near the top of the league heading into this fall. And I was just interested because... Jeff Trailer has gone 30-10 and 10 in three years at UTSA. And usually when that happens, that coach gets poached. Some of their best players get poached. That has not happened at UTSA, which tells me they are investing and they have some loyalty there that I think will pay the dividends going forward.
2: I think it will, and it's even more, you know, Surprising that it is an in state university that's doing it because you know each state has their laws as to how much tuition can be put towards athletics, and it's a team that's fairly new, so you wouldn't think they have the donors. Of some other schools and also it's not in a college town. As we talked about earlier, it's in a big city. But that just shows the culture and that culture is probably coming down from higher than Jeff Trailer. It's probably coming down from the athletic director and some of the high up officials at the university. And that's really special if you're a fan and it's really special if you're a pirate fan or a fan of anyone else in the American Athletic Conference because when you have a team like that, it makes the conference look better. And when the conference looks better and you win 10 games or you win 12 games, that's a lot better when the conference looks like crap and you win 10 games or you win 12 games. That can help you out and all the credit to them to be able to hang on there to Coach trailer, as well as hang on to a lot of their athletes.
1: UTSA coming into the league, the thing I think that excites me most about the Roadrunners is the fact that they actually have a home field crowd. I mean, that sounds stupid, but if you look at the rest of the other teams coming in, really There's no home field advantage. Maybe UAB has created somewhat of a following. Rice, certainly not known for their fan base. North Texas, not known for their fan base. So UTSA, for last year's Conference state Championship game against North Texas, had 41,412 fans. Last year when they played, Houston had more than 30,000 fans in the Alamo Dome in San Antonio. So, look, it's not going to be the biggest crowd EC plays in this year. Certainly, they play at Michigan, they play at App State, which will have a great crowd. But I just get so tired, Philip, of ECU going on these road games, especially in conference play, and it's just being a dead atmosphere. Nobody cares. At least it feels like UTSA has a fan base that is growing, that is already there, and that, to me, gives me hope for this program, not only to, you know, compete on the field, but just make this a better conference. Like, when you watch these games on TV, you want there to be an atmosphere and so often in the American, they almost have to not show the crowd. Uh, now when ECU and UTSA play, home or away, it's going to be a good crowd.
2: It will be, and that that is a special thing because – you know, and it's special for our players. They don't want to go and play in an empty stadium. And when we travel, we want to see a team with a great fan base. And, you know, we were talking to the writer from Appalachian State the other day. He was talking about how passionate their fans there are at Kid Brewer. And it's something I look forward to. And, you know, the interesting thing, and this is kind of a topic we were talking about the other day, but I'm just going to kind of bring it up here. When the American was looking at expansion, you know, they said they were looking at teams that could generate the right revenue and all this stuff. And that's kind of why it's weird that they chose some of the teams they did. It seems like with everything Mike Oresko's saying, UTSA is really the only team that seems like that's what they can do. There's so many teams in the Sun Belt that, you know, despite being small schools, at least have great fan bases. I mean, even look at Coastal Carolina. They pack them in there a lot better than some of these teams like Charlotte and, you know, North Texas that we're getting. But I'm glad to see at least one of these teams is is bringing in some fans.
1: Yeah, I've noticed the other thing, too, is when we've done some very brief conference previews on Hoist the Colors on social media, what is the one fan base that is replying, that is angry about where UTSA ranks? It's UTSA, because they actually have fans. The rest of them, we don't hear anything from them. So uh, I'm all for it, man. The more passionate fan bases in the league, the better, and obviously you're losing one in UCF uh cincinnati was fairly passionate houston not definitely in football just didn't have a huge following more basketball these days because they're so good but even then not the most passionate fan base in the world so excited what utsa will bring to the league from that standpoint let's look at the other sports i, I think it will be very competitive in football we even have a uh, a utsa fan tuned in on youtube by the way philip Alan Judy says, birds up, go runners. So, I mean, we got a UTSA fan watching uh ECU local sports broadcast, which uh, which I think is a very positive thing.
2: I think it is. Thanks for tuning in, Alan. It means a lot. And then maybe this will be the, you know, it sounds crazy because they're so far away, but maybe this can become the rival. And we talk about Charlotte, but there's no fans at Charlotte for us to jump talk. So let's uh, let's create a rivalry here with UTSA, and let's have this the team we're going back and forth with on social media and everybody's getting heated over. I'm, I'm all for it.
1: I would love it. I would love it. Alan says, hopefully 30K for the UTSA-ECU game. Yeah, that'll be a big stretch on ECU's schedule when they play the Roadrunners and Tulane back-to-back later this fall. All right, let's talk about some of the other programs coming in for UTSA. And the Mids basketball program has been up and down. Conference, uh, or excuse me, NCAA tournament appearances, their most recent one coming in 2011, but they were good this past season. M- much like everybody in the – uh it, Basically making the move from Comp USA to the American, almost every one of those teams had a good year. And so I think you're looking at the American, yes, you're losing Houston, you're losing a solid program in UCF, but I think UTSA, North Texas, even Rice was decent, UAB always good in basketball. I do like how this league is shaping up from a hoops perspective. I do
2: too, and, you know, we uh, kind of feel like I'm beating a dead horse saying this, but I've said it with all of our conference previews. They will bring in more money. Than they were in their old conference, and the fact that football drives everything. With UTSA having a very good football program, with having you know more money coming in from a bigger TV deal, that will filter down to the basketball program. And obviously, they were up last year after back-to-back only uh, or a couple ten-win seasons in there for the men's basketball team. Unfortunately. Uh, before that, but uh, hopefully they can come back, bounce back, and it might take a little time, but uh, hey, can't really talk too much because the Pirates are in their bounce-back time in basketball as well.
1: And in baseball, they haven't made the tournament the last few years, but right on the cusp, 38 wins each of the last two years for UTSA baseball, and so I think that's a promising sign as they look to to become you know, a potential contender for NCAA appearances, AAC crown, ECU just needs more competition in the American baseball, and UTSA will bring that. All right, let's get our final break in. We'll come back. We'll take a look at the, the UVA-Duke score in the Super Regional, and we'll also wrap up this week's program and take a look ahead to next week. You're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game.
0: Climb aboard as we set sail and hoist the colors. Arr, Mikey. Back to the show with Steve and I go on 94.3 The Game.
1: Okay, welcome back into this Friday, June 9th edition of Hoist the Colors. Wrapping things up here on 94.3 The Game for the week. Of course, we've got one more week left of programming before summer break as ECU. Athletics slow down. We uh, have less and less to talk about, but we are going to try and squeeze in all of our opponent previews and continue our AAC discussion, and then we'll also have John Gilbert, in the ECU athletics director, next Wednesday for the full hour. We'll catch up with Shane Winkler, as well, the softball coach at East Carolina. But uh, Philip, just want to say thanks for, for hanging out this week and helping us through some some team previews. I feel like we're, we're 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 you know interviewing these people and giving people things to look forward to for the season, educating them. I don't know how many people have a real idea of what some of these teams bring to the conference nor what they bring to the football field. So I feel like we are doing the the community service here.
2: I think we are because, again, Conference USA is not the most televised conference, not the one that gets the most media recognition. So, you know, and a lot of these teams are not local. It would be different if Coastal Carolina, App, and Liberty were coming in. You know, all teams in neighboring states or in our state, but that's just not the case. So I think this is big and... uh Like I said, I think, or like you said, I think we are doing a little bit of a service here, and hopefully, we're at least getting people excited, giving them something to look forward to, other than just the Michigan game. So I think everybody's pumped for Michigan, and then after that, they're just like, "Oh, what now?"
1: Exactly. So we're trying to educate people. And following the Duke UVA game, Duke already up to a two nothing lead, but UVA threatening in the bottom of the third. So we'll keep an eye on that all weekend long. The NCAA baseball Super Regionals, unfortunately, ECU not playing, but. Still a lot of fun to look forward to. Now a 2-1 game as UVA gets on the scoreboard. All right, this has been a fun week of programming. We will be back with you guys beginning next Monday at 12 noon. Thanks to Clark and Dom for helping out beside, behind the scenes, for tracking down Key Stokes. Took a few calls, but we got him on, the electric return man on Hoist the Colors. Check out that interview on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. We have it archived on facebook as well so fun interview with key stokes fun week of programming we'll be back with you next monday at 12 noon to continue our series looking at the opponents and the rest of the american you've been listening to hoist the colors on 94.3 the game
0: This has been Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back Monday with more of Hoist the Colors on 943 The Game.